Morning, everyone, and thank you, Becca. And yeah, before we get into this morning's message, it is my pleasure to uh, reveal to you what we've managed to raise. Uh, I know two weeks ago, we set out on this really exciting adventure together to, in faith, to see whether we as a church family could raise £25,000 to go alongside £25,000 from our surplus in order that we can have a COVID response fund that would bless uh, anyone in need within the church, that would bless those in need in our borough and those in profound need uh, through our New Frontiers family of churches internationally. Big goal, we've got a big God. I'm excited about what he's been doing amongst us. And I've asked the wonderful Chi and Dawn uh, to reveal to us uh, how much we have managed to raise, how much you have managed to raise. So that's over to them. COVID support fund. Starting off the fundraiser. It's all right, we just started off, but you know, that's why we're expecting it. It's at zero at the moment, so let's keep it going. Oh, what have you got there? 60 pounds, that's not bad. That's really good, that's really good. Not bad at all. Oh, 160, wow. People, we're so, so generous around here. This is good, oh, oh, what's this? 2,160, no way, that's a great amount. Hopefully, we got, oh, oh, what's this, what's this? Sir. 32,160! Thank you, yeah! Kingston! <laughs> Wonderful. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that encouraging? I hope you are uh, punching the air and clapping at home. So exciting. King's Church, well done. We as, as pastors, as leaders, we're just so encouraged and inspired by your generosity. £32,160 with gift aid, that is £38,528.75. And that means in total there is about £63,000 now in our COVID response fund. That is amazing. Thank you so much. Isn't it wonderful what God can do uh, in the life of a local church when he stirs faith, when we're reminded of his generosity and we give back to him as a result. It's just a thrilling thing to be part of. And uh, just to remind you, 25% will go into the life of the church emergency fund, 25% to Kingston Food Bank and our associated partners in the borough and 50% through our new ground family to Zimbabwe, India and Kenya. Can't wait in the coming weeks and months to report back to you and feed back to you how that money is being used and, and the effect it's having. But for now, shall we just celebrate together uh, and let me just pray. That seems a, a great way to, uh, to celebrate with God and thank him. Father God, we, we do thank you for what you've done amongst us as a local church, for the, the generosity and the faith that you have caused uh, to rise. And we just pray, like we said two weeks ago, as we offer our, our loaves and fishes, as it were, we just pray, uh, Lord God, that you would multiply our offering and use it amazingly to bless many people in the life of our church, in Kingston and our borough, and in uh, Zimbabwe and Kenya and India. Use it amazingly, God. And I pray that you would bless all those that have given, Lord, bless us bountifully as we seek to, to sow bountifully. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray you would stay with us in these moments and teach us from your word as we move into our passage this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So our passage this morning uh, is Philippians chapter 4 and verse 1. It's the penultimate uh, message in this series, Inspiration, and, uh, Inspiration in Isolation. And as we always do on the first Sunday of the month, we will close this message by sharing communion together. So if you haven't already got your bread and your wine or uh, equivalents, as it were, make sure you have those uh, so that we can 
finish this message by, by thanking God for his ultimate generosity to us uh, through Jesus on the cross. So let me read to you Philippians chapter 4 and verse Philippians chapter 4 and verse 1. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I feel like I can say Paul's words to you with, with exactly the same feeling. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have laboured side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. What an apt passage for us this morning to, to be reminded of all that we have to rejoice in God for what he's done amongst us. Verse 5, let your reasonable, reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. And here we need a bit of a gear shift in our thinking. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Do not be anxious about anything at which point we might feel like saying anything don't be anxious about anything as much as we're celebrating this morning we're of course all aware of the many reasons that we might have to feel anxious in these times in which we live I was uh, on a zoom call just earlier on this week uh, with uh, a number of church leaders in the borough and some uh, council leaders local council and we were just sharing some of our reflections and it was interesting how many times the word anxiety came up and indeed one of the council leaders was I thought just courageous enough to share uh, her own experiences and she was saying and I'm paraphrasing but she was basically saying I've, I've never known such pressure as this and I've never known such anxiety personally as a result. Anxiety is, is around all the time at the moment in, uh, in different ways. And of course, you don't have to be in a position of, of civic responsibility to uh, experience anxiety. We all do, from time to time, to different extents, and for different reasons, we all experience anxiety at different times. But what do we mean by it? What does Paul mean by it? What are we, what are we, how are we defining anxiety? Well, for the purpose of this message, I want to use the definition that was given to me uh, this week by uh, a Christian counsellor and he said that anxiety is essentially this it's that sense of when I when I look ahead what I see coming feels scary or overwhelming when I look ahead what I see coming feels scary or overcoming or overwhelming it's about the future and the feeling that causes to bubble up and I think we can all relate to that, at least to some degree. Wherever we might be on a, on a kind of spectrum, whether we're just kind of normally just dealing with the natural concerns and cares of, of a life, all the way through to whether actually something kind of, whether we would experience some 
almost acute anxiety or, or, or profound anxiety or even clinical anxiety or, or, or crippling anxiety, wherever we might be on that spectrum, I think we can all relate to the idea of, of looking ahead down the track in life and sensing a, a feeling, a sense of overwhelm at what might be coming towards us. I wonder if that resonates with you. Is there anything at all at the moment where you're looking ahead into the future and feeling more than just a natural concern for what you sense is coming? Now, there's obviously lots that could be said about something like anxiety, and I'm only going to really scratch the surface in these few minutes, and I hope you will bear with me to that end. But I need to recommend three resources that do a lot more than that, that either I have found personally helpful or people in the church have recommended to me. One is a book by Emma Scrivener, uh, called A New Day, Moving On From Hunger, Anxiety, Control, Shame, Anger and Despair. And she's got a brilliant story herself and a brilliant grasp of God's word. There's also another book called The Heart is a Noisy Room, Your Inner Voices, Why They Matter and How to Win Them Over by Dr. Ronald Boyd Macmillan. And then thirdly is a great Christian charity called the Mind and Soul Foundation, mindandsoulfoundation.org. Some brilliant resources there specifically around mental health, uh, coming at it from a Christian perspective to really uh, help, uh, help us and particularly focusing in on the current COVID-19 pandemic. So those are some helpful resources I trust. But just in these next kind of 10 minutes or so, I would just love to, to open this text up for you and bring to you the five tools that Paul presents from this text for us to not only cope with anxiety, but, but my prayer is to, to overcome it and to, and to defeat it and to experience peace in its place. Because it's peace, isn't it, that Paul offers us in this text. He says, the peace of God and the God of peace is available to you. And so my five points form a little acronym from the word peace, P-E-A-C-E. -E. And the P... The first one, the P, is for people. People. Verse 2 and 3, Paul refers to this, uh, this unreconciled, broken relationship between Euodia and uh, Syntyche. And of course, this is familiar territory for those of us that have been reading Philippians because Paul talks a lot about the importance of church unity. And here he refers to a specific example where it needs to be worked through. He's talked about striving side by side, being of one mind, and so on and so forth. Now, he doesn't explicitly say uh, church unity really helps us overcome anxiety and experience peace, but I think the inference is certainly there, and I think we know from experience in the rest of the scripture that, that deep, unified relationships in the local church really help us overcome anxiety and experience peace. And of course, you don't need me to tell you, these last few months, those, those personal relationships have been harder to come by. There's been distance and lockdown and isolation that has made reaching out to people and being reached out to harder and harder, which is, I think, one of the reasons why anxiety in and out of the church has been on the increase. So let's reach out to people. There are people in the life of this church, whether it's us in the office, John and I as pastors and, and Kate and... Uh, and the, the wider pastors team and pastors to be, wider leadership team, life group leaders, and lots of us who would, who would just love to get into conversations. And it might be kind of just simple conversation. I'm struggling with this, feeling anxious about this. Can we pray? It might be some, some deeper conversations take place and we need to really unpack perhaps what's behind 
the, uh, the sense of anxiety or overwhelm we feel. We might want to talk about whether, it's the, whether there are historical factors at play in terms of how we've been raised and what that's formed in us, what physical factors are at play in terms of our diet and exercise and sleep and, and so forth, um, what, uh, what spiritual factors are at play, and of course what circumstantial factors are at play and what's going on um, at the moment. But of course it's the spiritual factors that's the thing as Christians who want to not only major on, but particularly major on. And ask, how's our relationship with God? Because if we're feeling disconnected from God, it's going to be hard for us to, to really trust his promises to be true and his, and his goodness to be tangible and for us. And, and that, I think, is where the kind of rubber hits the road when it comes to, to Christians getting together to, to seek to replace anxiety with peace, is to be able to ask and be asked the question, where is it? that you're finding it hard to, to trust God? What is it about the situation that you feel like you need to be in control because God really isn't? And that's the kind of punchy hard part around the conversation. Anxiety itself is a feeling, it's an emotion, it's not, it's not a sin, there's no reason to feel guilty for it. Paul, the Apostle Paul, he himself felt very anxious about the state of the churches. The question is, what do we do with this feeling, with this emotion, this sense of overwhelm that is, that is rising? What do we do with this temptation to say, God's not part of this reality and so I need to control it? These are the kinds of questions that we need to be able to ask in community. So P is for people, and I'm not, I'm not going to go in order of the word peace. C next. C is for contentment. You can see that in the text. In verse 4, Paul exhorts us to rejoice in the Lord, to rejoice always. He encourages us to pray, but to pray with thanksgiving. In other words, Paul knows that developing an attitude of gratitude is key to overcoming anxiety and replacing it with peace. He wants us to make a choice to rejoice. And vast swathes of, of secular uh, research and academia and psychology is, is well-versed with the reality, uh, because there's lots and lots of research, that things like just writing out a few things each day that we're grateful for can have a tangible effect on our, and I'm, I'm quoting research here, on our happiness, well-being, and even, even health. Just taking a couple minutes a day to actually write out the things that we're grateful for, the things that we can rejoice in. Might be really simple things. Just really grateful that a client said thank you to me today. Now, these things aren't going to miraculously cause anxiety to, to disappear, but you're pushing back on it. And of course, Paul says it's rejoicing in the Lord is the particular thing he wants to commend us to. So it might be that we just get into the habit of just, as that feeling, that sense of overwhelm starts to come, we, we make a choice just to write a couple of things down that we are rejoicing for in God. You might write down or pray it out or sing it out or draw it out. Thank you, God, that... I've, there's, there's purpose. I'm not here by accident. You've, cho you've chosen me. You've given me a purpose and a meaning. You, your word says in Zephaniah that you rejoice over me with singing. So I rejoice with you in these moments. Just begin to write these things, sing these things out. You'll be amazed how anxiety begins to wilt in the face of rejoicing. E. E is for eternity. Paul writes in, just before saying, do not be anxious, Paul says, the Lord is at hand. In other words, he means Jesus is coming back soon. That's what he's getting at. The writer of Ecclesiastes says that God has put eternity in the hearts of men. 
This is a great reminder to have that eternal perspective that John talked about last week, that we're citizens of heaven. That's where we're, we're meant to be. This is not some ethereal place in the sky. It's one day Jesus is going to fully restore this earth with heaven. And everyone who trusts and believes in him, whose name is written in the book of life, as Paul says in verse 3, is going to enjoy a physical resurrected body forever with a mind that knows nothing of anxiety or those dark nights of the soul. Have that thought in your mind. It doesn't mean that everything's going to change miraculously in that moment, though it may do, but it means that you can live with hope, that you know this is not who you are forever. In fact, the vast majority of your life will be lived in eternity with this resurrected body and mind. That gives us hope, I believe, and it means we can replace anxiety with peace. So P for people. Involve them, reach out to them. C for contentment, cultivate it. E for eternity, think about it. A is for ask. Paul says in verse 6, let your requests be made known to God. Ask, tell him. Like my, my daughter, Izzy, she, she gets this. When I was putting this message together uh, today, writing it down, just at this moment of writing this particular bit down, I heard the familiar patter of her feet on the stairs and the familiar voice came up before she even got in the room, Daddy, can I have? I can't remember what she wanted. Daddy, can I show you something? And she asks and she asks and she asks. Just totally normal for her to keep on asking. Now, we're also training her to ask kindly and respectfully we're training her to realize sometimes we're not going to give her what she asks for for various reasons but i want her to keep asking i want her in my imperfect fathering to see something of a father whose heart is towards her who smiles over her sings over her scoops her up in my arms as she asks me and i sometimes wonder whether it comes to the battle for the mind we and i include myself in this i really do we, I, can spend so much time thinking about the, the reason that we're heavy in spirit and not just get on and ask God for the things that are causing us to be anxious. Ask him to help us to trust him, to help us to genuinely place his sovereign control in our reality and not remove him from it. And finally, the second E in the final letter of the word peace is for entertain. What do I mean by that? Well, in verse 8, Paul says these beautiful words. Finally, whatever is true, honourable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. In other words, entertain those kinds of thoughts. What are the thoughts that you entertain in your mind? I love how uh, the Christian and consultant neonatologist John Wyatt Great website, by the way, look, at him, look him up, John Wyatt. He talks about mental hygiene as being as important as physical hygiene. Like we all wash, I assume, physically. He says we need to wash our minds. We need to wash them out and take thoughts captive, as per 2 Corinthians, and fill our minds with, and he summarises Paul's list here, with what is true and good and beautiful. What is that for you? What does it mean to wash out those negative, untrue thoughts and fill that mind with true, good, beautiful thoughts. It might be, I don't know, gazing at a painting that speaks of those things. Running through Bushy Park, doing what my Caroline does and putting photos together of our children. Whatever is true and good and beautiful. 
I would suggest to you it doesn't include pumping social media round and round your mind. I would suggest it doesn't include trawling through your newsfeed before you go to bed and being reminded of all the reasons that we do have to be anxious. Don't be, a, don't entertain, don't be a host. Choose not to be a host to those voices that criticise and condemn and remind you of all the reasons that we could have to be anxious. Don't entertain them, especially before bed, especially first thing in the morning. Entertain that which is true and good and beautiful. And if you can't, if you really are finding this so hard, the night of the soul is dark, go back to the P, the people. Reach out to people who will help you do so, who will remind you of what is true and good and beautiful. We're going to close this message by sharing communion together, as I mentioned. And I think it's a great way for us to conclude a message like this. Because communion reminds us not just of the broken body and shed blood of Christ and the Last Supper at which he told us to celebrate these things, but it also reminds us of the few moments afterwards when Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane experienced the most profound sense of anxiety and overwhelm. Matthew 26.38 says, Jesus said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Guys, if that is not experiencing intense anxiety, then I don't know what it is. He knows. He knows. So we can take communion together as believers, knowing that this God who was broken for us experienced profound anxiety. He looked it right in the face and he overcame it for you. He loves you that much. He overcame this overwhelming anxiety. He went forward, he overcame fear and stepped into faithfulness. And we celebrate that right now as we share communion together for those of us that are believers. If you're with us this morning as a guest, you're wondering about these things, we would encourage you not to share communion yet, but just to consider not taking communion, but taking Christ, taking the Jesus who knows what the human condition is like and who's overcome all of its brokenness to offer us life in abundance. Click on that button if you would love to, uh, to follow Jesus today or to request prayer and find out more or to think about going to the website and doing Alpha. But for those of us that are believers, we're now going to take time in the context of worship to break bread and, uh, and share wine and be reminded of our amazing Jesus together. Bless you guys. Mm -hmm.